As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Wednesday, November 18th. Wednesday is Rankings Day. We're going to dig in for Week 11. I'm Michael Beller. You know the deal here. Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston here for a Wednesday for a Rankings Day. How we doing, guys? Jake. I was waiting for you, Brandon. You uh, usually jump in first. Do I? <laughs> no, I always felt yeah. like it's you. You've had the more uh you've had the more wild week. Um you're you're probably a little tired right now after taking care of your uh taking care of Barkley and I'm, I'm assuming things are all good now things have leveled think, out think things are better she seems almost 100 percent. just I'm, I'm assuming the medicine's got her a little groggy but the pain medicine but everything else is good yeah I'm also tired because I've been letting her sleep in the bed with me of course and I don't I don't normally do that I'm a super 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 light sleeper so I haven't been getting much sleep on top of it but hey I don't care if I sound like uh, softy or whatever, but she's sleeping with me for a few <laughs> nights until <laughs> further notice. <laughs> this could snowball, Jake. Watch out. I know, right? Uh, no, it's well, not I gonna. It's I, I need to sleep through the night, so <laughs> it'll change soon. Uh, I think that's absolutely fair. It's the right thing to do, at least in these first few days. Very happy that everything is okay there. And hey, maybe we can you know pull everything back to normalcy as we start our look at the Week 11 rankings here. It's a fun week, you guys. We've got a lot of storylines to dive into, and maybe the best thing about Week 11 is that the Bears aren't playing, right? <laughs> I mean, we're going to get them right back in primetime in Week 12 against the Packers, so at least we get one week without the most boring team in the NFL out there. They are joined by the Bills, Giants, and 49ers as teams with buys in Week 11. Just uh, four of the six teams left, right? No buys in Week 12. Week 13, we get Tampa Bay and Carolina, so we are rounding the corner and headed for home in terms of the bye week portion of the schedule. Let's start out in this rankings discussion where we always do at the quarterback position, and where else could we start at the quarterback position for Week 11 than with Jameis Winston, you guys. Uh, Sean Payton still being coy about who is going to start in place of the injured Drew Brees, but all of us seem comfortable assuming it is going to be Jameis Winston, an excellent matchup with the Atlanta Falcons this week. Falcons have allowed the most points per game 
two quarterbacks this season. We are assuming a standard scoring, you know, four points for a passing touchdown, 25 yards for one point passing, 10 points for rushing, or 10 yards for rushing, excuse me. They've allowed the most points to the position on the season. So, Jake, we'll start with you on this one. If you've grabbed Jameis off of waivers this week, are you throwing him right into your starting lineup? Uh, if you're not, I don't know why why bother picking him up. <laughs> That's really the, the question there. So if I am in some leagues, yeah, I'm putting him right out there. Look, Taysom Hill had his opportunity to be the guy when Drew Brees left the game, and it was Jameis Winston. So I think we would all be shocked if it was Taysom Hill. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Taysom Hill's used more, a few more snaps than he was. And, of course, that's the concern is, is it going to be at the goal line? Are we going to lose some opportunities there for the people that are asking about him to be a tight end in their leagues? You know, I would have him as a low-end tight end one, that being Taysom Hill, because I think there will be some opportunities, if not a few more. But I still expect to be Jameis Winston. At, I like would be 100% shocked. And if it is, if we do get the announcement and you did pick him up, yeah, he's in my QB1 territory. I, again, I don't know. If you're picking him up, why wouldn't you just start him? Like, why yeah. Why are you picking mm-hmm. him up to put him on your bench? Because <laughs> we know Drew Brees is coming back in a few weeks. So then don't even pick him up. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, and it's Atlanta who somehow has managed to give up more fantasy points to the quarterback position than Seattle, which is a, it's a pretty amazing statement. Mm-hmm. And uh Look, if you're worried about Taysom Hill, I I can see Sean Payton, you know, flexing his Taysom Hill ideas a little bit more <laughs> in these games coming up. But as a straight quarterback, he's he's hot garbage. He's not a good quarterback. He he'll have some, you know, they might be able to run some plays where he can throw some passes, but they're not going to give him an appreciable amount of passes. This will be Jameis Winston's show by and large, and. And, you know, and maybe in a half, you know, a little over half season uh, behind Drew Brees, he's learned some refinement, but we know he's got arm talent galore. And so in this kind of a matchup in with Sean Payton kind of calling the shots, I think we might get, uh, you know, the best version of Jameis Winston here. Yeah, I wouldn't expect the Jameis we saw in Tampa last year. That was, you know, full on DGAF Jameis Winston last season, a team with absolutely nothing to lose. Uh, 30 interceptions, 40 interceptions, whatever Jameis was going to end up with, it wasn't going to bother Tampa as to where they were in the standings. He's in a much different situation with a team that is in first place in the NFC South, but still in a tightly contested battle for that first place spot with the Buccaneers there. So uh, not going to see, I don't think, that fully unleashed Jameis from a fantasy standpoint that we did a year ago, but I'll make this unanimous. If you've grabbed Jameis Winston, get him right in there against the Atlanta Falcons. And hey, two weeks from now, if he's still starting, another matchup with these Atlanta Falcons. So this could be an addition that pays off in a big way as we head for the end of the fantasy football regular season. Next guy on our list, a guy we've talked about quite a bit in this context, but it's just you know a pretty interesting guy, and it's Joe Burrow. The reason why I want to talk about him this week has a lot to do with his matchup going up against the Washington football team. We talk so much about Burrow and having that volume, a guy who has taken pretty well to the NFL in his first season, and volume has been his friend. But the two games where he really has failed to deliver from a fantasy standpoint have come against Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Two great defenses, two defenses that can really get after the quarterback, and two defenses that are a huge problem for a dreadful Cincinnati offensive line. In those two games, Burrow has gone 40 for 70 with 396 yards, 5.66 yards per attempt, one touchdown, and one interception. Brandon, are you concerned that Washington, with its pass rush, can do the same thing and wreck the Cincinnati line? 
Yeah, I am a little bit. It, I, honestly, the, I, for all the reasons you mentioned, it gave me pause with Burrow. My your initial reaction is to look at the matchup and think, "Oh, it's a good one." And I, you know, I initially had Joe Burrow at like number ten, and I've since moved him down to about thirteen, and I'll probably end up, you know, right in that range. I might move him down one more. Uh, I think I, I'm not full. You know, completely embracing him as a QB one this week for the reasons that Washington can get after the quarterback. Um, and Joe Burrow's had trouble with teams that have done that. Um, you know, Joe Burrow has the ability to run and and get you some fancy points on the ground. He just hasn't done it lately. Um, so yeah, I think there there's problems with this matchup. I can see Joe Burrow going either way though. He's a quick decision maker. He's got weapons. Uh, they you know. They, they have a tendency to throw the ball an awful lot, um, but he hasn't been great without Joe Mixon either. So if we don't get another Joe Mixon, then maybe that's you know furthers his issue. So I yeah I'm I'm waffling on Joe Burrow because that's where I'm at mentally. I just am not quite sure I can put him down as a slam dunk QB one this week. Uh, I don't have much to add to it besides the fact that I just have Joe Mixon in the rankings of now. So I was right. that's exactly what I was going to say, Brandon, is that if there's no Joe Mixon, I'd move him down a little bit. I think that it just balances the offense. I know Geos look good in replacing him, but I just think it's better for this team with and without Joe Mixon. So, yeah, there is a little bit of concern there. I've been talking to the Washington defense up all year long, so I – I'm in agreement. I'm not saying that like, haha. I'm saying that as like, like, this is somebody who also believes everything you said, Mike. So I'll move him down a few spots. But it, the problem is, it's just I don't love a lot of the options once you get past Jameis Winston at 11 this week. That True. Cam Newton runs only. And I know it's a great matchup with Houston, but you talk, everybody jokes about Lamar Jackson being a, a running back playing quarterback. That's actually legitimately what Cam Newton is. As <laughs> Brandon said this entire year, if he doesn't run for a touchdown, you're going to have a miserable day. And then Wentz doesn't look right. Now you're down to Tua, Carr, Stafford with a broken thumb. Like that's that's more than anything is that I don't love Joe Burrow, but I don't know how I put all the, any of those guys in front of him. Yeah, well, let's get to Matthew Stafford there since you mentioned him. We're still actually awaiting if he's going to officially play. That's a, an interesting game with uh, the Lions and Carolina getting uh, involved with one another this week because we have quarterback questions on both sides of this game. We are expecting Teddy Bridgewater to practice on Wednesday. We're recording this Wednesday morning, so we'll have a little bit more information perhaps as soon as this episode is out to everyone. He's expected to practice. Matthew Stafford also expected to play for the time being, but we do have quarterback discuss or uh, questions on both sides of this one if Stafford does go how do you feel about playing him Jake not good at all that's why <laughs> I have him it's like that's the, the throwing thumb and sure he can yeah. play through it playing and actually performing are two different things right. so the Carolina secondary is better than people assume they've given up some huge games especially the past two weeks but they just happen to face Patrick Mahomes future Hall of Famer Tom Brady future Hall of Famer yeah I said that about Patrick Mahomes already I think nobody's questioning that but no way. you know they limited Matt Ryan both times Matt Ryan faced them and he threw zero touchdowns in both those games Drew Brees had a pretty good game surprisingly ran for a touchdown in that game uh, but outside of that Derek Carr one touchdown Tom Brady the first time they faced them one touchdown Justin Herbert one touchdown again they're not they're not a, an elite great defense it's just better than people assume because it is the Panthers so that coupled with potentially no Gall Galladay again and a broken thumb on your throwing hand I just I wouldn't risk it and that's why I'm all the way down at 17. 
<laughs> That's where I'm at on him as well. I think this gets to what you were talking about with Burrow is that the reason why Joe Burrow is kind of pushing that QB1 range is because, man, it, it, it the quarterback position empties out pretty quickly uh, this week, especially when you talk about Bridgewater and Stafford dealing with injuries and just some tough matchups for some guys that maybe we normally like. So uh, it feels like, you know, you can feel good about a top 10 this week and then everybody else is, uh, you know, the question marks start flying. All right, well, where does Carson Wentz fit on that landscape? I think we just need to accept. I mean, is we have we reached the point that this is what Carson Wentz is for the 2020 season? QB 17 for the overall, QB 21 by points per game. He's got fewer than 10 points in both of the last two games for Philadelphia. And there was always this belief that once they got fully healthy, once they get Rager back, once they get Miles Sanders back, once they get Dallas Goddard back with the emergence of Travis Fulgham, things could be better for Carson Wentz, and that just hasn't been borne out. I thought last week was going to be a good week for him, even though he was going up against a better-than-advertised Giants defense, and it was just flat-out ugly. So, I mean, do we accept that this is what Carson Wentz is for the rest of the season? Uh, Brandon, why don't you take this one first? Well, I think the biggest issues for Carson Wentz are along the offensive line, and you know what? You can look at a matchup like Cleveland this week. Um like you can say, hey, Cleveland's given up production in the passing game, but they also have guys like Miles Garrett that can get after the quarterback. And what we've seen is even in good matchups, if you got a team that can put pressure on the quarterback, Carson Wentz has just not done well with that this year. And, and you know, we've seen him in the past where he's done really well with that. But this year, if he's getting pressured, it's just been mostly miserable. And so you have a bunch of games where you know, you went into it thinking that Carson Wentz could be decent and he ends up with, you know, sub 200 yards and it's been, it was a mess. And so it's, it's another one of those things where, yeah, I mean, on paper, Cleveland seems like a decent matchup, but if Miles Garrett is getting free and they're putting pressure on Carson Wentz and all bets are off. So I'm, I'm, he lands kind of in that mid teens range for me where there's some, some volatility to go both ways here. Yeah, Carson Wentz doesn't look right. Just it's, I don't know if it's in his head. I don't know if something else is going on. But the way he's been playing, as you mentioned, Mike, we thought like with all these options back, it should be, hey, Carson Wentz is starting to roll again. And he was starting to roll before he even got everybody back. So it was kind of weird. Uh, but at this point, you know, I think that until proven otherwise, like people are asking if they should drop him. People say, should I drop Wentz for Tua? Should I drop Wentz for actually Burrow that we just talked about, if you, even Winston. I, I don't know if I would go as far as Winston because Drew Brees is going to be back before some point at the mm-hmm. end of the season. It might not even be the fantasy playoffs, but three to four weeks is what it sounds like. Uh, so I don't know if I would go that far, but if we, put it this way. If Wentz doesn't show up against Cleveland, assuming we don't have 50-mile-an-hour wins again, but if he doesn't <laughs> no. show up against the Cleveland defense, then I, I don't see how you even trust him going forward because we've been giving him too many excuses, and he's had too many good matchups where he hasn't shown up. All right, as you guys have said, this quarterback position thins out in Week 11 relatively quickly, so pretty easy to say there's not going to be a regular starter you would consider sitting. If you're a regular starter, this week you are definitely Stafford. in there. Uh, yeah, I guess Stafford <laughs> could qualify, but we've talked about him already. So, but we move on to the, the next thing, uh, right? We've got uh, Josh Allen on a bye. We've got Daniel Jones, who maybe people could like enough with his rushing upside on a bye. We've got Drew Brees injured. How about a fringer off the radar QB you would think about starting this week, Jake? No, uh, Jameis Winston. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, he's I, very th- firmly on the radar at this th- point. Does he? Does he really count? <laughs> because outside of that, um, I maybe Tua. I'd say Tua against Denver because Denver's pass defense is not the years of what it was past where you were concerned about it. It's actually their run defense that's good this year. So, I think you can go Tua. I think the way Tua is playing, I, I I like the fact that he's running after the first game. 
Now, look what you did, Jake. I was going to say Tua, and because you did that, you forced me to say Derek Carr. And that, I'm blaming this on you. Um, I know you hate when I say Derek Carr, but you did this actually, to me. <laughs> you said you were going to put him on a moratorium, and you lied. I was until you did that because I, I had nothing left. So uh, Derek Carr in a game. You, you know, said Joe we, Flacco. <laughs> yeah, I could I could say Joe Flacco, but I will not. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Kansas City. Carr went for over 300 yards and three touchdowns against him in the last meeting. You know, we expect points. All those things. Derek Carr seems like, uh, you know, a decent play. And I will, I'll, I will say this. I, will play Der- I would play Derek Carr over Tom Brady this week. Um, I think Tom Brady was going to be my answer to – it is a tough week, so maybe you're not sitting Tom Brady, but I don't think he has much upside against the Rams uh, who can get pressure on the quarterback and especially up the middle with Aaron Donald and have great cornerback play. I mean, we just saw a couple weeks ago how things can go wrong for this Tampa offense uh, when New England came to play defense against them. They scored three points at home. I don't think they'll be held New to three Orleans. points. I mean, sorry, New Orleans That's what I meant, but um, – I don't think they're going to score as low as three points, but I think it could be a rough day for Brady. You highlight a couple of uh, fun games there too, right? Kansas City and uh, and Las Vegas getting together. That's the Chiefs' one loss. They're looking to avenge it. They've got some bulletin board material after the Raiders took that victory lap around Arrowhead, the Monday night game between the Buccaneers and the Rams. A couple of very fun games there, and uh, it's part of the the what's going to be fun about Week Eleven. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, guys, running back time. First guy I want to talk about is James Conner. Brandon and I talked about Conner back on Monday show. Jake, you missed out on that, so I wanted to give you an opportunity to get your voice into the James Conner discussion. Obviously, you're starting him. Goes without saying. But let's also face up to what James Conner has done the last three games. 37 carries, 105 yards, one touchdown, seven targets, caught them all for 23 yards. Meanwhile, even with that... Light showing from Connor over those three weeks. Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's offense, excuse me, has averaged 27 points per game in those three contests. We saw Ben Roethlisberger throw for 333 yards and four touchdowns against the Bengals last week. This is an offense that is finding success without getting much from its bell cow running back. I don't think him being the bell cow is going to change. But are we worried a little bit about the offense trending away from James Connor in a dangerous way? Yeah, I already, in last week, so well, not the 11th, or the week 10, last week's uh, waiver column, Brandon knows this, I put in the tweet about that James Conner and Benny Snell had the same amount of opportunities and the same amount of touchdowns in goal to go since week six, and that includes one week where Benny Snell wasn't even used. Yeah, he was active, wasn't even used, and they still had the same amount. I don't have week 10 added in yet, so that was weeks six through nine. It's a concern, it's, and it's also a concern that, in two situations where we thought, hey, you know, maybe they get some more run in a favorable matchup. Maybe they get some more run because of the weather. Maybe they, Whatever it might be, James Conner doesn't look good the past two games, like at all. Uh, just this offense isn't even going to him. It's kind of turned very pass happy, even though having the opportunity. And maybe it's because Ben Roethlisberger's low air yards and all that type of stuff. They're just like, hey, this is our new offense and it's working. So why go away from it? Yeah, I think you have to be concerned about James Conner. You still have to play him. 
But I think he's fallen into the RB2 conversation now because where we have the argument of volume for people like Zeke and David Montgomery, it's the opposite. He's not getting the volume. And when he even gets the touches, it might not even turn up in the in the red zone. Yeah, I think you mentioned it. Like, you know, so Ben Roethlisberger, I think, is the least pressured quarterback in the league. And you got three great receivers, and you, and they can live in that short and intermediate range, you know, and you can go deep to Claypool when you want. But it, it reminds me of Tom Brady when he was never getting touched, and they wouldn't, you know, they'd almost use the pass like the run. That was like such a high, you know, high efficient uh, passing game and, and short passing game that you could just kind of continue to move the, the chains through the air and not have to worry about running. And you actually have more upside that way so I think they're kind of leaning into that I will say though this is a week for James Conner if there ever was one you know Jacksonville struggles Mm -hmm. to put points on the board Pittsburgh's averaging 30 a game like they get a lead you should be able to use James Conner and be effective and not have to you know put Ben Roethlisberger any type of harm's way Uh, we'll see if that plays out it doesn't really play out for James Conner this week and I don't know when you can feel good about him all right, let's move on over to the New England backfield here. New England and Houston, guys, this always feels like a, you know, like divisional round Saturday night matchup when these two teams get together. We've seen that uh, quite a few times over the last few years. This week, it's just a game between a couple of underachieving teams, both of which probably aren't going to be playing in the playoffs this season. But we do have an interesting backfield in New England to talk about with Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead. Harris has given you three 100-yard games this season, including two of the last three. Rex Burkhead, meanwhile, over his last two games, has 18 carries, eight targets. He's caught seven of those targets, 133 yards from scrimmage, and three touchdowns. He seems like he's taking a little bit away from Damian Harris on the ground, although not really too many more ways they could get Harris involved and a little bit away from James White in the passing game. So my question here, Brandon, is there enough fantasy relevance for both of these guys to want to trot them out there as starters this week? Well, first of all, the matchup <laughs> kind of pushes you to say yes. I mean, it's just about as good as it gets. Other than like Detroit, I think you you look at a Houston matchup for a running back is is is, is right up there. And the way Damian Harris has been running. Um, I think you feel good about him. Rex Burkhead, to me, Rex Burkhead is Naheem Hines. Like, he's had three really good games and a bunch of a bunch of duds, and you have a hard time picking when those good games will be. The only difference is Naheem Hines right now is the only running back that's being effective in Indy. And so, uh, so maybe you feel better about him right now than Rex Burkhead in terms of, like, predicting something good but I would for sure play Damian Harris this week uh, and I say that knowing that Bill Belichick has his hand on the rug that he's about to pull out from under me but (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, and you know in 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 a tough spot I'd be willing to roll a dice on Rex Burkhead in a flex it's just I you know again that that feels a little bit more random to me than Damian Harris (laughs) <laughs> so what is the question here that we're doing Damian Harris uh, yeah I think you have to and then just watch Sonny Michelle get 18 carries that's just really what it's <laughs> going to come down to the uh, the aside part about this is from the waiver column the guys as you mentioned Mike the show on Monday it wasn't around for but Rex Burkhead has now turned into James White James White's the droppable irrelevant one and Rex Burkhead kind of supplanted him as the one that has the because it's kind of like J.D. McKissick with Washington is he's the one that you know isn't going to get you 30 points almost never but he'll get you eight to 12 most every single week and he's the consistent option so I have no problem using Burkhead and if he gets those two touchdowns good for you if not you still have a nice floor but Damian Harris until it happens it happens it's gonna happen until it does you have to start him you know he used to have a nice floor you guys Clyde Edwards Alaire 
We at least had the floor, right? I mean, early on, week one was amazing. And then after the first few weeks, like, all right, so maybe the ceiling that we thought wasn't was going to be here isn't here. But the floor is great. And now that has just totally fallen out on him. Uh, before this team acquired Le'Veon Bell, this was just such a striking stat to me. I wanted to bring it up. Before this team acquired Le'Veon Bell, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the minimum opportunities he had, meaning carries plus targets in a game, was 18. That's great. Doesn't really matter what you do with it. If you're getting 18 opportunities, you're in a starting lineup, no doubt about it. The maximum opportunity that he has had since Le'Veon Bell has been active with the Chiefs is 12. 12. A drop from his 18 floor all the way down to 12 as his ceiling that we've seen since this team acquired Le'Veon Bell. Now, it was great. This would be a fun game between the Raiders uh, and the Chiefs. I believe the score was 40-32 to 32 the first time these two teams got together, so we could see another high-scoring game. But, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire down uh, in your just inside your top 20, Jake. I mean, what are we doing with this guy? Are we just basically putting him into the lineup and hoping for some return of his previous volume? <laughs> uh, we are doing that, and we're hoping for somewhat of a return. It's really what it comes down to is Le'Veon Bell is not as big as a thing as we thought. It could be, uh, which is good, but at the same time, this is very similar to actually the Steelers. Is They're just not even using their running backs that much. They're just winning with Patrick Mahomes' arm in the passing game, which they like. it works, it works. We know that a pass is more effective than a run a lot of times. I think there's still more upside for Edwards Alaire, especially, you know, get some you know passes out of the backfield for Mahomes. But uh, yeah, he's he's an RB two, and honestly, if he was getting this kind of usage on half the other teams in the NFL, he might even not be an RB two. But he's an RB two because he's on the Chiefs. Yeah, I think uh, you, your point about them just not even using the running back position is a good point. You look at the last three games, Le'Veon Bell's basically getting like a Daryl Williams role before Le'Veon Bell joined the team. You right. know, it's 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 a very straight up backup role. It's just that. You know, he's not getting touches. Clyde edwards is not getting touches. It's just all Pat Mahomes all the time right now. So until they, until they, you know, revert their philosophy there a little bit, it could be just bad for all involved in the backfield there. Yeah, it's crazy the way uh, things have gone. But when you have Patrick Mahomes, right, uh, I guess you sort of turn into that one because of what he can do. And it's starting to look like if he doesn't get the MVP, it's going to be like when uh, when. NBA MVP voters decided not to give it to Jordan just because they were kind of bored of it and sick of it. I mean, with the way that Mahomes is playing this season, uh, feels like he should be considered the favorite as we head into the second half of the year. Another guy who's obviously in that discussion is Kyler Murray. And let's talk about his running back teammates here, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. It's a Thursday night game, of course. So if you were listening to this on Friday, feel free to fast forward about four minutes or so. Check the timestamp on the Athletic app. And if you're not yet an Athletic subscriber and you want to be able to check those timestamps, athletic.com slash Fantasy Football Pod gets you a subscription for $1 a week. Uh, let's get back to these uh, Arizona running backs. We saw the return of Kenyon Drake last week, 16 carries for 100 yards. Chase Edmonds, meanwhile, was back in the role that he had previously, and he played it well. Eight carries for 56 yards, caught all three of his targets for 21 yards. Jake, when I was looking at your rankings, I was a little bit surprised to see that you have Edmonds ranked a little bit higher than Drake. So can you explain why Edmonds is ahead of Drake, at least as of Wednesday morning? Yeah, because the 50-50 split, I'm going to take the person in the passing game in this matchup every single time, and it's a 50-50 split, and it was 50, actually, it was over 100% because they were actually on the field a couple times together, so it was 50% of the snaps for Edmonds and 51.4 for Drake last week, so if you give me that going forward, it's going to be frustrating week in and week out to see who's going to have the better game, but I'm going to try 
to protect opportunities and in a game like this where you also look for people over the middle of the field, short area, middle of the field, exploiting people with the running back in the passing game, I'm going to go Edmonds over Drake. Brandon, agree, disagree? Where are you at on these two guys? Yeah, I mean, we, we know that receptions were worth more than carries in fantasy, and, and I agree. I think Chase Edmonds has the, the higher upside for that reason if they're going to be close in touches. We know that Edmonds is going to lean to the reception side. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit back to what it was at the beginning of the year, but it's pulled a little bit more even. Like, I think you can look at Kenyon Drake as mostly what he was at the beginning of the season, but maybe, you know, 10, 15% less, and that's going to Edmonds now. So I think that's uh, that's going to be to his advantage this week. All right, let's move on to our next guy here. Jake, you actually referenced him when we were talking about James Conner. It is Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, this is someone, again, who if you've got him, you're starting him, but obviously has come up way, way short of expectations. Take, um, take injuries out of the equation, and I would say that Ezekiel Elliott is comfortably the biggest bust in fantasy football this season when you consider that he was – Pretty much a consensus top three pick, uh, maybe top four. Jake, actually, kudos to you. You had Delvin Cook ahead of uh, ahead of Ezekiel Elliott, so I hope a lot of people out there listen to you because you would much rather have Delvin Cook on your team this season <laughs> than Ezekiel Elliott. And hey, these two guys going to be sharing a field this week with the Vikings going to Minnesota to take on, or the, the Cowboys going to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Uh, let's just talk about Ezekiel Elliott in terms of trade discussions because there are still, I think, a little bit more than half of fantasy football leagues uh, that still have their trade deadlines coming. So stripped of context, just in a vacuum, would you rather be trading for Ezekiel Elliott or trading away Ezekiel Elliott, assuming uh, that his value sits somewhere in like what, if we were drafting today, late second, early third round, somewhere around there. Brandon, where are you at on Ezekiel Elliott's trade value? I actually think I'm going to be the guy that wants to trade for him. Um, you look at Ezekiel Elliott, he has had one game where he hasn't had 20 touches. It's just uncommon volume uh, in today's game, which will still account for something. Yeah, he's been terrible the last few weeks, but that's been with second or that's been with third string quarterbacks and the one full game that Andy Dalton had. He wasn't he wasn't a world beater at 80 yards, but he also had eight catches. And that's something that's gone away with all these backup, you know, these third string quarterbacks is he has a total of four catches in three games. But at the beginning of the year, the volume in the passing game was helping kind of make up for the fact that he wasn't getting a ton done on the ground other than scoring, scoring some touchdowns. Uh, so. Look, I think they can get back to that. You got Minnesota this week's good matchup. There's a few other good matchups along the way, and I assume that he's going to get back into a, a more of a heavy role in the passing game. 20 touches, you know, five, six, seven catches. That's, I, th I think his value right now is lower than that on the trade market, and I would be looking to see if I could take advantage of that. Yeah, with the Zeke, I'm 100%. Actually, we did, we've changed shows partly because of Barkley, partly because of catching up on other things, but we did Nando and Jakey in the morning. Actually, Wakey with Jakey. I hate Nando. <laughs> uh, but we did it this morning instead of Tuesday afternoon and asked the same thing. And there was a lot of talk on that episode talking about Zeke and the fact that I am trying to buy him everywhere because we're still talking about, it's not even just the volume, but that is part of it, as Brandon said. It's, the, it's still Ezekiel Elliott. And the biggest thing is, what happens? Just paint the scenario. What happens if he runs for 100 yards and a touchdown against the Vikings this week, which is quite doable because it's the Vikings. It's done. You're done. He's Everybody's going to be, oh, he's back to the top 10. Your windows slam shut. You have no chance to get him. And right now, people are willing to give him away for low-end RB2 value. I had a trade question in the rankings where it said, Zeke and a, it was a wide receiver one 
to get Keenan Allen. And he was like, oh, it was Allen Robinson. It was like that enough of an upgrade. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, we're now throwing Zeke into trades. That's how far we've come. And But I understand the frustration. That's why I'm going to get him everywhere I can right now is worst case scenario. We said on the last episode last week, Mike, worst case scenario, he's David Montgomery going forward. So worst case scenario, you get yourself an RB2. Yeah, that ain't bad, and we do know what the ceiling is with Ezekiel Elliott, and I do think that we're going to see something a little better from this Dallas offense for the rest of the season with Andy Dalton back having just had their bye. We'll talk about that when we get to wide receivers in just a little bit, but there is one more running back who I want us to touch on before we move on, and that is Salvan Ahmed. Ahmed had himself a nice game last week, 21 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown for the Dolphins in the win over the Chargers. We know that Miles Gaskett is going to be out at least one more week, so this could be the last week of Ahmed's fantasy uh, relevance, but so long as he has it, how do we feel about rolling him out there as a starter this week against the Denver Broncos? What say you on this one, Jake? I actually want you to first say what say you. Say his first name. Salvan? Nope. Salvin. Salvin? Nope. I found like out Sam? last night. I found out last night when I was doing a name check to see if it really was Ahmed because it is Ahmed, even though it's yeah. yep. sp- spelled Ahmed. It's not Salvin. There's not even an L. It's Savan. Savan so like, so like, Ahmed. So it's sort of like Salmon. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, the silent <laughs> L. And a, silent L and a mystery appearing K. So there you go. <laughs> For Savan Ahmed, I, I think you have to. If Matt Breida comes back, I'll be less excited about it. And I don't know. There's even part of me that says Matt Breida might even have the higher ceiling. I don't know how much use they would give him in his first game back, but I know he'd be involved. But at this point, you know, Miles Gaskin might not be coming back to a job for everybody asking about that as well. Like we would assume he gets his chance, but if Ackman looks good again, and especially against, that's what I brought up earlier is the Denver pass defense isn't scary like it used to be in past seasons. The run defense is still pretty strong. If Selvin Savon, I almost see I did it too. It's his whole name. Come on, dude. Savon <laughs> Ackman, if he puts up a top fifteen performance against the Broncos and Matt Breed is active, he just might be the start of the rest of the season. Yeah, and and I've been saying this all week. Just shout out to Brian Flores for being an old school feature back kind of guy. Like you know, one guy goes down, bring somebody else in and make him the feature guy, and and you know, forget about the platoon. I just, I'm not that worried about Matt Breida because I'm just look at what he's done all year long. As we he brought in Breida and he brought in Jordan Howard, and that lasted about a hot minute. And then I was like, forget it. I just want Miles Gaskin out there all the time. Oh, and Miles Gaskin is hurt. Am I going to go back to Breida and and Howard? Eh. Well, I know Brita was hurt, but it's like, yeah, I'm just going to go Savon Ahmed, and I'm a Washington Huskies guy, and I still trip up <laughs> on that. But, um, yeah, I just think uh, I, I think it's going to be Ahmed or Gaskin the rest of the way, whoever's healthy. And when they're both healthy, it'll be interesting. I know at, at the University of Washington, you know, Ahmed was the compliment to Miles Gaskin. So um, we'll see if it goes back to that. But the here and now is that I expect uh, Ahmed to be pushing 20 touches this week in a matchup against a defense that's been wilting in the Broncos. So I'm, I'm interested in him as a, you know, as a solid RB2 this week. All right, let's take a look at our running back lightning round here. Is there, is there, the answer can be no, a regular starter you would think about sitting down this week, Brandon? Uh, I would think about sitting down Todd Gurley. I mean, if he doesn't score a touchdown, I don't think his upside is very, very high at all this week. So uh, he's I think he's a top six running back because of all that touchdown production. But uh, I think this could be an ugly one for him. Yeah, he's getting 50, 60 yards every single week. So it's not – I mean, how far are you going to go? Would you uh, – Well, he's, you he's 20 for me right now. So, yeah. 20? Not, yeah. Wow. 
That's, yeah. that's pretty far. I mean, I'm 18, so you went further than I did. So I just, I think that Ronald Jones, if you can avoid it, I know he's just coming <laughs> off a monster game, uh-huh. but I mean, would it surprise anybody if it's a Leonard Fournette game? That, that's just really what it is. I understand everybody's excited about it, but we've done this before. We did the dance with Ronald Jones twice. We've done the dance with Leonard Fournette twice. Ronald Jones fumbled and somehow stayed in the game, but do you really think if he fumbles again that it wouldn't change again? So I know people want to start him against the Rams, but the Rams, as mentioned earlier, at the quarterback situation, they also do a decent job of getting just pressure, period, into that backfield. It just could be a tough day, even if Ronald Jones is the lead. Uh, real quick to go back to that, uh, I did look it up. I was looking it up this entire time. It's, you have to look at 10 different sites to freaking find these numbers. <laughs> but the Los Angeles Rams, uh, their their pressure rate is 10th. And Tom Brady, too, I wanted to bring this up because Brandon was bringing up this point. Tom Brady, 29th in adjusted completion percentage Oof. under pressure. Yeah. Just behind Joe Flacco. That's how far down the list he is for Brandon's point earlier in the show. Well, and I think to, to Brady, like, and, and pressure up the middle is absolutely his worst. It's a killer because he doesn't yeah. move left or right very well. So you get Aaron Donald pushing that pocket up the middle. I think that's that could be trouble. All right. You how about to, the other side of this my, discussion? Real quick. Oh, someone? no. Mike, you want to know <laughs> yeah, who's yeah, worse? You want to know who's, guess who's worse? Who's or actually, uh, the worst. I'm, I'm putting a T on that. The worst in the league. Carson Nick Wentz. Foles. Carson Wentz. <laughs> no, but Foles was closer. Oh, okay. Uh, Trubisky. Mr. Trubisky. <laughs> uh, you 25% know what? Can I, he's athletic, percent. too. And he's athletic. He can move. That's can I crazy. say something here? I think the Bears should just let let Trubisky flex his 2019 Jameis Winston. Just He's not healthy. I know, but, but when he, when he is healthy, when he is healthy, come back in week 12. Take the big play good with the, you know, with the considerable downside. I don't think you could do any worse than this kind of meh Nick Foles vanilla offense. All right, so I know that you jokes jokes aside, and I know we're, I'm sorry, I was kind of hijacking the running backs here real quick, Mike, but I just I want to know from both of you guys, actually this will be the question for you. Does this concern you? The fourth worst behind Burrow, Goff, Wentz, Watson, Smith, and way behind Tom Brady, and only better than Haskins and Trubisky and Drew Locke, is Aaron Rodgers. Mm, wow. Does that affect your opinion at all in a week? Like, let's say Aaron Rodgers faces the Steelers or the Ravens or the Eagles or the Buccaneers or the Broncos. Those are just top five teams in pressure rate. Well, where does Indy rank in pressure? You have those numbers right in front of you, apparently. Indianapolis is 14th, yeah, middle of I the mean, pack. I mean, I... I did have a little bit of pause thinking about just it, the thing is, is we've seen Green Bay have a, what, their two losses. They, they look kind of bad. They look really bad, you know? And it, yeah. so I was just in the back of my mind thinking about this game. At well, Indy and that's why I said that because going, Tampa Bay was his worst game by far, 16 to 35 for 160 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns. And they're the third toughest. Just throwing it out there. Just mm-hmm. Something to think about. You think about the all the problems that they had with San Francisco last year, too. A team that yeah. last year was getting a ton of pressure on quarterbacks. So this is not necessarily an isolated one-season thing for, for Rodgers either. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Um, sorry to, like I said, sorry to hijack your... No, man, that's here. good. We, we, we love throw-ins. Are you kidding me? We're trying to give the people what they want, what they need, what they need to get for their fantasy lineups this week. And one thing that they could definitely use, maybe... So an off the radar running back who is worth starting this week. Who does uh, who fits that bill for you, Jake? Uh, it was was Damian Harris if you wanted to trust it, but I guess he's not so much off the radar after what he just did. So uh, the the two from the article, Michael P. Ryan and Jordan Wilkins. <laughs> that's that's yeah. where we're at right now. This is why I'm saying why people want to trade away running backs. Uh, P. Ryan, if you want to believe Gase that he's actually going to see what he has in him, 
is why it's an interesting play and a good matchup. And the Wilkins one was because it's a terrific matchup. And if somebody's going to get carries at the goal line, I mean, Jonathan Taylor might be done right now. I don't know what's going on there. And if he's got a confidence hit on top of the things because of what Reich's been doing with him. But I, I Wilkins, if you want to gamble on a touchdown, maybe question mark. Yeah, that was going to be my guy as well is, is, is P Ryan. Um, and you know, the interesting thing is I, is it, was it Adam Gase who said it or was it just a ESPN reporter, Rich, Rich, Samini or whatever his, his last name is came out with that report and I haven't seen a whole lot else about it so um, but I like to believe it I mean I'd like to think that they are finally done with the Frank Gore experience and they're going to try to let Michael Piran out in a more considerable way so um, yeah I would roll the dice on him because it's not a bad matchup either against the Chargers that have been fairly generous to running backs this year Definitely love to see what LaMichael P. Ryan could do as a starting running back over these last seven games of the season for the Jets to get an idea of what he is going to be in 2021. All right, let's move things on over to the wide receiver position. And uh, Jake, you missed this on Monday. Brandon was really wanting to talk about Michael Thomas, and he said, let's save it for Wednesday. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure, that sounds good. And then I was thinking about him, not really exactly sure. What you want to talk about here. So, Brandon, I'm just going to say the floor is yours. You wanted to talk about Michael Thomas. We've had a pin in the discussion for 48 hours. Go on Michael Thomas. And then Jake, just react to whatever the hell he says. Oh, uh, you know, Salfino, Michael Salfino wrote that Michael Thomas is in the doghouse, that there's stuff going on behind the scenes and, and all this. And then, and then as I'm sitting here doing my rankings, I just decided, ah, I feel like Michael Thomas is top six play this week, so I don't really know if I should really go off on a tangent on Michael Thomas because I'm not really going to back it up with where I'm ranking him this week. It's Atlanta. Uh, Jameis Winston has a, has a good arm. Uh, who else is he going to throw to? Um, the one thing I, I'm trying to figure out is like Deontay Harris or somebody that you know who's going to be the vertical threat that they can take some shots with Jameis that they weren't able to do the whole lot with Drew Brees. So I don't know if that's Michael Thomas, but there there might be a sleeper here like like Harris. Um, in the mix, but I just want you know, I'm just wondering if Jake has any thoughts on what was going on with Michael Thomas because I know you're just basically saying it's Michael Thomas, it's Michael Thomas week after week, but he hasn't played when he was healthy in the past, and then he's been healthy the past couple of weeks and hasn't really done anything. And Salfino's throwing out these rumors of him being in the doghouse for whatever reasons behind the scenes, and it's just almost becoming a lost season for him at this point. Yeah, it, I attributed to the same thing as Gronk Gronkowski coming on slow this year. His was an entire year of not playing football versus Michael Thomas, but the Saquon Barkley of last year, it's, it's all these players that come back and it just takes a few games to get back into the mix. He essentially almost had a full loss season to this point and tried to come back and try to come back. And maybe he's still also not a hundred percent. I just think that more than anything. And I think Winston's downfield ball. Yes, I do think Michael Thomas could be the guy. And I think that it might actually help Michael Thomas, but you know what? At this point, you can't bench him. Yeah, if you want to rank yeah, him, obviously. that's the thing. If you want to rank him sixth, sixteenth, twenty-sixth, whatever, you can't bench Michael Thomas. It's going to click. He's going to be back to Michael Thomas at some point. Maybe Winston's the answer. Maybe three weeks now of being back on the field is the answer, or whatever it is. But he's inside my top ten too. All right, let's go from one Michael to another who is getting plenty of attention in Week 11, and that is Michael Pittman Jr., the gem of the Week 11 waiver wire after his seven-catch, 101-yard game last week. And, hey, added a 21-yard carry to boot, so gave you 122 yards from scrimmage on eight touches. Uh, is he the number one wide receiver now in Indy? Is that how we should be treating him, Jake? And if he is, what does that mean in Indy's offense? 
I think he is. This is the potential people saw in the preseason. This is the potential, as I said in the waiver column, was the excitement started to build and build because it was the excitement for Pittman as being the outside option across from T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell in the slot. And then Campbell got hurt, and then T.Y. Hilton started off slow, so the excitement was building. And then the week after Campbell got hurt, Pittman got hurt, and it just went to crap. So, yeah, he could be – actually, he is the number one because T.Y. Hilton has fallen off the cliff, hit – every rock on the way down and burst into flames. But <laughs> at this point, I'm going to compare him to my boy and Travis Fulgham. And so he is, but the concern is he's a rookie who starts to get number one attention. And if that happens, I don't so much trust Philip Rivers in this offense to the thing that really helped Fulgham is that Carson Wentz was going to keep going to him, keep going to keep going to him. Now Reger's back and he didn't need to. We only five targets last week with Bradbury on him. A lot of the game, not the entire game. Now talk about Fulgham and I'm drawing the parallel here because this is the concern you have five targets. I'd say two of them were catchable targets. He only caught one and he went to Rager and went to Goddard and went to other people. Greg Ward a lot in that game. If Philip Rivers does a similar thing and says, you know what? I'm not going to force feed Michael Pittman 10 targets, 12 targets or whatever. I'll see him when he's open and some of them might not even be catchable. That's the downside. So he is the number one, but that's not always going to be a good thing when you're a rookie. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to add um, other than just I, you know, just watching Phillip Rivers. I just tend to not trust, you know, consistency (laughs) in the passing game because of him. And so and we will see like one one receiver pop up one week and one one, you know, a different week. And there's it's just been hard. But one kind of the thing that has been true this whole year is Michael Pittman hasn't been healthy. So we haven't seen him for a stretch of games. Uh, I think he is at this point the the best upside guy in this passing game. So uh, we'll see. As long as, you know, the Smiths don't get home and get after Rivers because it's kind of like Tom Brady. You give Phillip Rivers any pressure, then it's, you know, it's going to be a problem. But he's, I think, been the least sacked quarterback so far this year. So, um, yeah, given that, I, you know, I give Pittman a decent upside chance this week. Jake, you mentioned Travis Fulgham, so let's uh, jump onto him. I wanted to talk about him anyway. You mentioned the numbers that he had last week, just five targets, caught one of them for eight yards. Uh, yeah, we know what Travis Fulgham is, and one catch for eight yards is obviously a major disappointment, but it's something I think we can move past. It's the five targets that are maybe a little bit troubling, especially in a week where Jalen Rager back, Dallas Goddard back, Miles Sanders back. Are we concerned about what his target share is going to be the rest of the season? Yeah, just rinse, repeat, basically everything I just said is, you know, especially with Ertz being destined, (laughs) declared to be returning from the IR. Uh, So now he's going to be back in the mix. And that's just really what it comes down to is Travis Fulgham is talented. We know that. And he's talented enough to be the guy. But without Rager and with Goddard missing time and only coming back and being a little bit banged up, you know, it was a necessity to keep going to him and keep going to him. Now, this is a good matchup this week, so I wouldn't be so much concerned, maybe some Ward. But the concern is Rager is a very talented rookie wide receiver. Dallas Goddard is a talented tight end. Zach Ertz, as much as he's now looking like he's on the downturn of his career, still a talented tight end. And then, oh, that Miles Sanders guy is back, who's also a good pass catcher yeah. with Boston Scott. So it just goes from Carson Wentz peppering him to he doesn't need to anymore. And similar to Phillip Rivers, I don't trust Carson Wentz to treat Fulgham as his number one. So I still, I mean, another week, I would call him a must start because it's the matchup. But if Fulgham only sees five or six targets again and only half of them are catchable again because of Carson Wentz, then I, I hate to say it because you know how much I love him. He's going to be in the wide receiver four territory and more of a matchup play. 
nothing much to add. It's, you look at his three games where he has had double digit targets. It was Rager was out, Goddard was out, Miles Sanders was out for the most of it. It's it's exactly right. It's just it was a necessity situation, and they're getting a lot healthier now, and we're going to see some volatility in his volume because of that. All right. There we go. I like it. I like when we get unanimity sometimes. <laughs> uh, let's move on to uh, what I'm calling the Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay wide receiver challenge. This week, all three of Pittsburgh's wide receivers are in Jake's top 21, uh, at least as of Wednesday morning. Got Deontay Johnson at 12, Chase Claypool at 17, Juju Smith-Schuster at 21. All Tampa's wide receivers are in the top 36. Chris Godwin at 24, Mike Evans at 32, and Antonio Brown at at 36. Uh, Pittsburgh takes on Jacksonville. Tampa Bay has got the tougher matchup against the Rams. Uh, Jake, I'm going to start with you. i got different questions for you guys here. Jake, I'm going to go to you first again. Uh, why are all the Pittsburgh receivers, all three of them, ranked higher than the highest Tampa Bay receiver? <laughs> because they've been the more productive trio, and that's really what it comes down to, is that every single week we have two of them inside the top 25, and sometimes all three of them with Tampa Bay it's one and sometimes yeah. it's not even that it's just it comes down to who's been having the more productive option and one team has a relevant tight end inside the top 10 every single week and the other team doesn't Eric Ebron shows up occasionally and doesn't even show up with some good matchup so the Roethlisberger been peppering those three specifically Tom Brady will also go to you know occasionally the Tyler Johnson or occasionally you know somebody at Scotty Miller and so it's not even any but we still haven't figured out what the pecking order of those three are, uh, you know, yeah. right now through two games, it actually still looks like it's Mike Evans, even outside of the red zone. But you know, as going forward, I still take Godwin. But I take the three. If you told me I had to pick starting all three in my lineup to play like a Nando type of game, you have to start all three wide receivers. <laughs> I would start all three Steelers before I started all three Buccaneers. Yeah, that's effectively the question I had for Brandon. Which trio scores uh, more points the rest of the season? I would go with the the Pittsburgh guys and just uh, you know for a lot of the reasons Jake talked about. And I I have the same deal. I have actually all the Pittsburgh receivers. Uh, I have them fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen right now. And I'm I'm and I know that can't work out. And I'm trying to find <laughs> receivers that I like better that I can move in front. And I just can't do it. I'm going to keep looking because I I don't feel comfortable ranking them all that high. But it's a great matchup. And I've said this before. Every week, two of these three typically do something really good. And, you know, you tell me who's not going to be that guy because I don't know who it's not going to be, you know. And so I, I just have to rank them all and just just know that probably one of them is going to miss. But I'll take the two. I'll take the two that I get right. And I have all the Tampa guys ranked down low, kind of similar to Jake, for all the reasons I talk about what, why I'm concerned with Tom Brady. I just think this is a rough matchup for him. So, um but on a, on a you know on for the rest of the season look give me the Steelers for sure. Remember when Dallas's receivers got to be in a similar discussion? That was so much fun <laughs> when we got to talk about those guys in this similar vein. And I do want to bring them up uh, in this matchup against Minnesota with Andy Dalton back. Uh, Jake, you've got Amari Cooper, wide receiver twenty-seven. You got Ceedee Lamb at wide receiver forty-one. I am going to go to Brandon first on this one. Though. Oh. Are things are things looking up for these guys? Maybe. Uh, Can I get my voice any higher? Uh, Are things starting to look up for them with Andy Dalton back? The bye? Maybe they did some things? How do we feel about, especially, forget about Michael Gallup, but Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, how do we feel about those guys? Uh, like, you know, usable and in a kind of a Jake ranking kind of a way. One of them as a, as a you know, maybe a high-end wide receiver three. Another one as a flex option. And, uh, you know, I actually think, I, I'm th trying to think back. I haven't looked, but uh, wasn't Gallup the one that did actually kind of decent with Dalton? Um, 
So the first game he started, C.D. Lamb actually had yeah. a decent game. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gallup hit those two big plays when he in the game that Dak got hurt. Gallup hit a couple but, of and they big all had, plays down the field. And they all had three targets each when Dalton came into the game. Yeah. People and then just that remember first the big game, plays. That first game that uh, that Dalton started, they got blitzed by the Cardinals, 38-10. to 10. But uh, CeeDee Lamb had 11 targets, caught seven of them for 64 yards. Yeah. Well, so I think the bye will help. I think Andy Dalton just raises the floor. It doesn't do much for the ceiling, but he at least raises the floor to where you might feel like these guys are – going to at least put up serviceable numbers if not you know help you win a fantasy week at least make you not lose it and that's kind of where i'm at um so i i would probably you know i i haven't finished my wide receiver rankings yet but i think i'll have lamb a little bit higher than wide receiver 41 and i may have cooper and lamb kind of like together in the low 30s uh when it's all said and done yeah yeah so same thing, not much more to add since uh, Brandon's kind of said that a couple times. I think Gallup may be some intrigue if you want to say, hey, he caught three and hit 80 yards in a touchdown because he gets the air yard. But the funny thing is he didn't get any of the air yard. He was the worst in the air yards when the quarterback change happened from Andy Dalton to, to Nucci and uh, Gilbert. So uh, the funny thing why I said, oh, Mike, is because I wanted to throw this out to you guys. I tweeted this out yesterday. I don't know how I came. I forget how I came across it because I was pulling up numbers for the rankings column. But did you know? Dak Prescott still has more fantasy points than Baker Mayfield and Philip Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that, but that is excellent. Yeah. And for the people arguing, the, the crazy people out there arguing for Baker Mayfield, well, he's played in the weather a bunch. And two t- if you gave Baker Mayfield four free touchdowns, just gave them to him. Here, have four <laughs> extra touchdowns. Still behind Dak Prescott. Oh, my God, man. Dak, throw Dak into this mix. I mean, with what Kyler Murray's doing and Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, uh, what a great year he was having. Such an unfortunate uh, shame that he had that injury. Uh, I want to wrap up the wide receiver position talking about a couple of boomer bust guys, the first of which is Christian Kirk, and I'm going to let Brandon go first on this one again because Christian Kirk going up against the Seattle Seahawks again. Thursday night football, so if you're listening to this on Friday, skip ahead a couple of minutes. But Christian Kirk, first game against Seattle. He had eight targets, caught five of them, just 37 yards. But two of those five turned into touchdowns, and we know he's a boomer bust player. But given this matchup, given what we're expecting on Thursday night between these two teams, do you have to play Christian Kirk in this spot? I think you do, right? Like, we know his upside. He is a boomer bust, but you're talking about a game. What's the over-under on that? It's got to be close to 60. I mean, um, if that's the kind of number you're going in with, uh, you know, given the way Christian Kirk has played, uh, he's been, you know – been better than he's been bad over the last month you know I think you just take your chances and he did have a couple touchdowns the last meeting only 37 yards um but he's been a guy that has been scoring touchdowns sort of consistently has a has a, has a few decent yardage games look at I again I don't think it's a very deep kind of like we were talking about the running back it thins out at wide receiver pretty quick you have to have a really strong stable of receivers to not be playing Christian Kirk this week 57 and a half is the over-under okay. on this game, yeah. by the way. Jake, you in agreement there? You, do you think you just have to play him with this spot? Yeah, I would say so. I thought you were just going to go – I thought you were just the point where you're like, and you get sure. this guy. 
Well, you can get the next guy, another similar boomer bust guy. That is Mike Williams. I do want to hear from Brandon on this if he's got something to say, though. He's boomer bust. It's been the truth for Mike Williams pretty much his entire career. The Chargers playing the Jets this week. So is this a boom week? Is this a week where we feel good about one of those booms coming? They've allowed the 12th most points to the position so far this season. So not like they're some easy rollover defense, but certainly one that you're not scared of. Recently burned by Tyreek Hill, which similar enough skill set to Mike Williams. And then Jacoby Myers, which not really that similar skill set to Micah Williams. It all comes back to, do we feel a boom coming for Mike Williams against the Jets this week? You never know when it's coming because he's the yeah, third can option. You can, you, can you predict one maybe no, coming against, you, you against can't the Jets? Because you can never predict one because he's third, as I said, behind Keenan Allen and Keenan Allen. That there's nobody yeah. <laughs> else to trust. It's Keenan Allen first and second. Hunter Henry is getting decent volume and turning into a whopping 30 and 40 yards every single week. Finally got a touchdown. But Williams will show up. I hate to throw out the Amari Cooper comparison again, but it's just true. It's Amari Cooper before Dak Prescott. If you have him on your team, you throw him out there as a wide receiver for every single week, and you hope that it's the week that it hits. Because if you try, and that's why I was saying that, because if you try to play, this should be the week you're going to not hit it every single time. So you actually decrease your op- opportunities of hitting it and increase your opportunities of getting the bad games because he'll show up in a bad matchup and then not show up in a good one. So you just play him every single time if you have him as your wide receiver four. But that's the good thing. Unlike Cooper back in the day when he was your two, at least Mike Williams is your four. I think the I think the problem for Mike Williams this week is that Herbert might just fall in love with throwing to Keenan Allen because you can absolutely destroy the Jets in the slot. And I, I brought this up mm-hmm. before, and, and Jake looked up the number because you look at Jacoby Myers was targeted 14 times, 12 catches. Uh, the game before that, uh, Nicole Hardman and Tyree Kill, and that's what Jake was looking up for me, was they both put up 90-plus yards, and I was wondering how much they ran in the slot. And I think, Jake, you said they both ran about 40% in the slot in that game. You know, yeah. so um, and so a lot of that production there, 15 targets combined came out of the slot the week before that. It was Cole Beasley, 12 targets, 11 catches. I like I have Keenan Allen ranked number two this week. I just think he's going to go gangbusters because you watch these Jets. They are so soft in the slot and guys just own them uh, across the middle of the field. And I think Keenan Allen will just, you know, have his way with this team. So maybe there's something left over for Mike Williams, but I just, you know, it lowers his upside. All right, guys, let's get through this one quickly here. A regular starter that you would maybe consider. Is there one uh, sitting down in week 11 at the wide receiver position? Go to Jake. Jake, why don't yeah. you go for it? <laughs> go to Jake. I don't know. Right. Robert Woods. And it's Ooh. really like Robert Woods, arguably one of the more disappointing wide receivers this year. Like the, the consistency was supposed to be what was Robert Woods. We're like, oh, we don't care that he only scores three touchdowns. It doesn't matter because Robert Woods is as consistent as it gets as a top 15 wide receiver. He's been off, and the Tampa Bay matchup, if Tampa Bay gets their pressure, as mentioned, and what did I say, they were third or something like that, and this is an off week. You know, Josh Reynolds is not only on the field. Josh Reynolds has been the more consistent option the past two games, and Cooper Cup is coming off the field. So, you actually, you can throw Cooper Cup into this conversation as well. Cup and Woods have become a lot riskier than they normally would have been. Now, I still have them inside my top 30, but if you're feeling queasy about either one of them they're down at 23 and 25 for me which is probably the lowest i've ever had them uh yeah um i would i would throw mike evans and dj chark into uh vulnerable spots this oh week. i love chark this week do you i i, I think you the steelers give week. up 20 plus plays like it's they're that's like their job <laughs> i just think that could be a mess for for jake L- luton uh all of around. course but um 
So I would throw DJ Chark, but more I'm concerned about Mike Evans. I mean, we look at we just saw Jalen Ramsey sort of you know ha- win the day against DK Metcalf. Although I don't think Seattle pushed the ball to DK Metcalf and took their chances enough in that game. But you know, if if everything plays out where I think this matchup's horrible for Tom Brady, I think Mike Evans. You know, we've seen him. You know, his he bottoms out. It can be one catch, ten yards, and you know you're hoping and praying that maybe that one catch is a touchdown. Yeah. All right. Other side of this discussion, guys, a wide receiver that you wouldn't maybe typically start who can get in there this week. Uh, Brandy, do you want to go first? Or do you want Jake to go first? Uh, I think Jalen Rager, who's been kind of, you know, he's gotten six and seven targets the last couple weeks, and, and I like the way he has versatility be used in a lot of different ways. This might be a week against Cleveland where we actually see him put up some appreciable fantasy points. So Jalen Rager would be something I'd be interested in playing. All right, I'll go, you know, I had Travis Fulgham in my sleeper portion because people were worried about last week, and we already talked about him in depth, and he wasn't going to be my pick, but just, again, the matchup of why you like Rager. So I'll go higher, and he's actually pretty high because most people have him in the 40s. I'm going to Curtis Samuel because no Christian McCaffrey. With no Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel is a thing because they're giving him runs out of the backfield. So I, I hate trying to use him, but if you're going to tell me no Christian McCaffrey, then I can see him as a wide receiver three. Yeah. All right, guys, let's wrap things up at tight end. We know what this position is, and it becomes uglier and uglier by the week. So let's just go straight into the last thing. Uh, If you're not lucky enough to have basically Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, I don't know, TJ Hawkinson, but, you know, whatever. He kind of is a huge bust player, too, in many weeks. Uh, Who is someone who you could throw into your lineups this week? Who you got, Jake? Taysom Hill. (laughs) If you're on a site site that has him there, you can throw him in there because they're going to give him some opportunities as they have been at the goal line and now probably a a few extra. But I'll go to the team that I've been picking on for the past two weeks and making it three weeks in a row in the past two weeks that hasn't paid off, but I'm still picking on the Bengals. They still are susceptible to tight ends. And Logan Thomas is, yeah, Logan Logan Thomas, my boy. Uh, You can take, can you throw in Steven Sims? We didn't get to talk about your Steven Sims for weeks now. And he's not, he can't get past Cam. Can we get hit as a sidebar, Brandon? Can you put something out there, get Steven Sims to surpass Cam Sims and get back into the number two? Can you just give, yeah, give me the Sims. Give me, can you just get Sims as a combined uh, entity in fantasy for the Washington football team? (laughs) Oh, very nice. Oh. Um, it's, all right. Yeah, well, what if ugly. what if Irv Smith doesn't play again? Then I'd be interested in Kyle Rudolph. The I, other side. Go to Dalton Schultz. Well, I, I like Dalton Schultz too. But if Irv Smith doesn't play, look at I mean, what did Rudolph end up with? Like sixty plus yards last week, and it's Dallas, and uh, you could get something similar out of Kyle Rudolph if Irv Smith doesn't play again. So um, I would say either one of those tight ends in that game isn't bad. But I like the Logan Thomas call against the Bengals as well. There you go. Tight end. Always doing this to us. A perfect spot to wrap up this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We got to come up with like a weekly bet, maybe, so we don't actually always sign off on the time and work on that for week 12. But we're going to leave it here for week 11. As I said earlier, if you're not yet a subscriber to the Athletic, athletic.com slash fantasy football pod. You can get yourself a subscription there for just $1 per week we are going to wrap things up and call it a show athletic fantasy football podcast is back with you on thursday that will be nato defino our buddy jake right here and eric mooney the three of us we return as a trio on monday to look back at week 11 and ahead to week 12 waivers until then thanks for listening have a great day we'll talk to you soon